0: And take your Bibles, turn with me please to the book of Isaiah chapter number 40. Isaiah chapter number 40. When you find your place, stand with me please as we begin a series this morning on the uh, theme for our year, which is Renew. Uh, We're going to take a look at that. We've got several new posters around the sanctuary. I appreciate all the help with those, getting those up and ready for today. But we're going to look this year at a theme that God, I believe, laid upon my heart back in the fall Maybe back at the end of summer, just to be honest with you, I felt like God was going to want to do a work of renewal in our lives as individuals and as a church back probably the end of summer. And I've just been excited about starting into this series. We still have a couple of more messages, by the way, in the series on Acts 2. We'll pick back up with that next week, probably move that up to the night services. i got so much to preach, I just we're probably going to have to have church four or five times a week. From able to get it all. Amen. I just got so many messages, and I love studying. I love getting up messages. And the message that I'm preaching now, I had to cut about half of it out because uh, Friday was New Year's Day, and I thought it was Saturday. And I spent much of the day Friday at the dining room table working on my message. And my wife said, You do know today's Friday, don't you? I said, uh, No, actually, I forgot. But then yesterday was Saturday, so then I worked on it again all day yesterday. By this morning, by about 9 o'clock, I had about five messages crammed into one. I said, I can't do this. I got a missionary to report to us this morning, and uh, so we'll just just hit some highlights this morning. But we're going to dig into this passage, into this thought, into this theme over the next few Sunday mornings, and we're going to just jump right into our text in Isaiah chapter 40. Are you there? I rambled a little bit to give you time to find it. Old Testament, Isaiah 40. Let's begin in verse number 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint lord help us this morning as we open the word may you open our hearts and our minds and may i be able with your help your unction and your power to share with god's people the message for the hour in jesus name amen thank you so much for standing you can be seated i want to begin this morning by saying that i believe the people of god today are in desperate need of renewal if there's ever been a time when the church of the living God needed revival, needed renewal, needed a refreshing, it's now. I've had the privilege to be in church my whole life. I've joked about it. I said I started going to church nine months before I was born. I've been in church a long time, but never before have I seen the church, the people of God in the spiritual state that they're in right now. And as I begin to work on this series and study these verses and look up all these different passages of Scripture throughout the Word of God that has the word renew or renewed or some use of that word. The word renew in the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, which I love to refer to, it's a great source for good, solid uh, definitions, but that word means to renovate, to restore to a former state or to a good state after decay or deprivation, to rebuild or to repair. I'm a firm believer in renovations, amen. If you've been a member of this church for any length of time, you know, as Brother Caleb alluded to it just a moment ago, I'm always looking for ways to fix things up, spruce things up, renovate, repair. And I think the church of the living God ought to be beautiful, amen, it hasn't gotta be expensive, but I believe it ought to be clean, I believe it ought to be nice, and I believe it ought to be one that reflects a testimony to a world of of our God, but uh, more than buildings, more than the structures or the choir loft or whatever the case might be, I believe the people of God should be able to demonstrate and reflect to the world the work that God has done in them. And there are times when God's people simply need renovation, restoring. They need to be rebuilt and repaired. And that's what the word renew in our text is this morning. It goes on and uses the word again in chapter 41, verse one, keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. And so we see this word used often throughout the scripture. And the burden that's been on my heart is that we each experience within our own selves a personal revival. Let me say this, whether the church gets one or not, you can have one. You say, preacher, I'll have a revival when you have a revival. Well, you may never have one. Amen, you say, I'll have a revival when my wife or when my husband, who's the spiritual leader of our home, when he has a revival, then I'll have a revival. You may never have one. Young people, if you wait for your parents, parents, if you wait for your children to have a revival, you may never have one. But one thing I love about my relationship with God is that God can do a work in my heart as an individual whether anybody around me is getting any help or not. My prayer is that in 2021, we'll hit the ground running with a heart and a spirit and an attitude and a spiritual man that is renewed and refreshed and the toll that last year took on us. No doubt it varies from individual to individual, but I think we would all agree last year took a toll on us. God's people are tired, they're weary. Many of people are demoralized, they're discouraged. And they're struggling with doubts. And in verse number uh, 29 and verse number 30, he says, Even the youths shall faint. It's not just people that are older and feeble and weak, it's people that are young, new converts, people that should be and normally are excited, have a lot of zeal, a lot of fervency for the things of God, and suck the life out of them. He said, Even the youths and even the young men are in need of renewal. People are weary physically. I don't know about you, but I don't think I've ever needed as much sleep as I need now and seem to be getting less of it. Is it just me or is anybody else can identify? Just wore out, exhausted, weary physically. People are weary emotionally. People are weary mentally. You lay down to go to sleep and your mind just keeps racing. You wake up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom and you have a hard time going back to sleep because your mind just kicks into high gear. You wake up in the morning and you slept four, five, six, seven, eight hours, but you feel like you just laid down and got back up again. Weary spiritually. I've been wearied spiritually from the spiritual roller coaster of faith and doubt. <laughs> now, I know none of y'all have been on that roller coaster. Where you're ready to charge hell with a gas can one minute, and the next minute you want to go hide under the bed. Where one minute you're ready to go grab a handful of tracks and win the world of Jesus, and then the next minute you don't even want nobody to know you're saved. Spiritual roller coaster, faith, doubt, boldness, courage, fear, anxiety, up and down, it takes a toll on us. The first message in this series I want to preach on this morning is the prerequisites. renewal, What is going on? What is happening? What has got us to the place to where we need renewal? The things in our life that got us to the place where he talks about being faint. He talks about having no might in verse 29. He talks about verse number 30, even the youth shall faint and the young men shall utterly fall. What got us there? How did we get here? By the way, it's not the first time and it won't be the last time. This was written centuries ago, thousands of years ago. And yet here we are. I, I read entirety of chapter number 40, trying to find in the context, in the context, trying to find out why they were that way, how they got there. And if it's in chapter 40, I missed it. It talks about the goodness of God. It talks about the pardon, getting saved in verse number two. It talks about uh, the goodness of God and the glory of God. It talks about, in verse number eight, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. There's so many positive things in here. It talks about God's character. It talks about God being supernatural and all powerful. I don't have time to read chapter 40. You can read it when you get home, but I was trying to figure out why these people were so tired and weary. And in chapter 40, it didn't really go into it. And I began to make a list. I had to cut half of them out for the sake of time this morning, but I want to give you four. Can I, can I give you four of the things this morning that get us to the place to where we are faint and weary and in need of renewal? Because I believe the need for renewal is greater than ever before. By the way, good news, verse 28, God fainteth not, neither is weary. You might be fainting, but God's not fainting. You might be weary, but God's not weary. I don't care how bad it is for you spiritually. God's God's fine this morning. God's great. God's doing good. Okay, he's able to help us. The need for God's people to be restored to a former state after decay or deprivation to rebuild and to repair is essential if we're going to move forward for God in 2021. So what is it that's causing so many Christians to be weary and faint? There are a number of things Satan's used. Write this down, number one, the attacking of the church will take its toll yes. on the people of God. Yes, sir. Never in our history as a nation has the church been under the attacks that it has been under in 2020. Right. Right. Now, and that's a historical fact. Yes. Our forefathers left the old country, came to America seeking religious liberty and freedom to worship and not since then has our people had to contend with such an adversarial climate against the church of the living God. Never before in our nation's history have pastors been arrested for simply holding church services. Never before in our nation have churches been issued cease and desist orders for opening the doors of their church to their members. Never before in our country have churches been fined by elected officials for simply opening the doors of the church and allowing their members to walk in the door and sit down in the pew. Never before in this country has that happened, but it happened last year. Our church, Calvary Baptist Church, was embroiled in a legal dispute with Baltimore County from May until November. That is seven of the 12 months of last year we were having to deal with actual, physical, literal attacks against our church. I put something out on Twitter yesterday. I said, this year, many of the things that so-called conspiracy theorists have been saying was gonna happen actually happened. And so my question is, when does it stop being a theory and when does it start becoming fact? If you're waiting for CNN to report it or you're waiting for somebody from the swamp to get in front of a microphone and tell you it's happened, you're never gonna get that. The fact of the matter is, stuff that we never thought would happen happened. And it took a toll on us. took a toll on me. Weight heavy. That's enough to make any church member weary and faint and discouraged and demoralized when you live in a country that has, for its motto, the land of the free and the home of the brave, and where there's no freedom, and you're fined if you're brave. Come on now. In John chapter number 20, verse number 19, we find the children of God, the disciples, the people of God, the early church, we find them all up in the upper room, and the Bible tells us in John chapter 20, verse number 19, Then the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them peace be unto you and when he had so said he showed unto them his hands and his side then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. In verse 21, then said Jesus unto them, peace be unto you, my Father hath sent me, as my Father hath sent me, so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. They were in need of a renewal. They were in need of a refreshing because of the attacks that were against them from the outside world. In John chapter number 20, the disciples were hiding in the upper room for fear of the Jews. The Bible's very clear about that, why? Well, their leader, their pastor, the Lord Jesus Christ, had been arrested on trumped up false charges. He had been beaten in the public square and executed along with a bunch of common criminals. Is everybody still with me? They didn't get a cease and desist order. They didn't get a fine. Their pastor, their shepherd, their under shepherd was beaten and stripped naked and murdered in front of their eyes for simply preaching and teaching the word of God. No wonder they were gathered together in fear. And as I read those verses again this week, I don't think we give them enough credit for having the courage to meet in the first place. Give them them credit for coming to church under those conditions. Give them credit for not staying home. We've had a few people in our church stay home this year. For whatever reason, fear, anxieties, concerns. You don't think the early church had some? Their shepherd, their pastor had just been drug out in handcuffs and murdered in front of the whole world. And you know what they did the first day of the week? They all piled up and went to church. Now they were afraid. They were full of fear. You and I would have been too. Jesus showed up in their midst. Thanks be unto God, they met anyway. And when they met, and they assembled with the people of God, notice what happened. Jesus came and stood in their midst. The Bible says he showed them his hands, his nail-scarred hands. Notice their reaction in verse 20. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. I'm going to read between the lines here. I believe maybe there was a spirit of renewal. Right. Amen. I believe as they were sitting there with their hearts full of fear, their guts were in knots as they were worried about what was gonna happen, who's gonna come up the steps, who's gonna come through the door, which one of us are gonna die next. Jesus appeared in the midst. He showed them his hands and they had, they had, they had taken him down off the cross. They had wrapped him up in aloes and myrrh and put him in a tomb. Imagine their reaction when he showed up in their midst. The Bible says when they saw him, they were glad. They were in need of a renewal because of the attacks on the church. By the way, I don't think the attacks are over. If you think that, I've got some oceanfront property out in Colorado I'd like to sell you. If you think the attacks against the church, you think Baltimore County, you think the state, it don't matter who who the governor is, it don't matter. It doesn't matter. At some point, it's going to escalate the attacks against the church. We lost so much ground in 2020, we will never get it back. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I mean, we would have never dreamed people would say, I ain't going to church because it's illegal. We got people who won't even come to church because their boss don't want them to. That's the breed of Christianity that we have today. Well, my boss don't want me to get out. Go home and read Hebrews 11 and come back and say that again. Say it real slow out loud. I want to hear you say it. My boss don't want me to go to church. Folks ain't been to church since March because their employer told them not to. I'm going to be ashamed when we get to heaven stand next to these martyrs that were burned at the stake and ripped apart by lions and tigers in the arenas and say I couldn't even go to church because I was afraid I was going to lose my job. Come on now. Say, preacher, you're going to make some people mad. They ain't coming anyway. What difference does it make? You can't leave if you ain't here. You can't quit coming if you ain't coming. What we went through this past year ain't nothing. It's going to get real. we got missionaries here this morning that were having to show their presentation after the service because they're in a closed country. But I'm telling you, the America that I grew up in is starting to look a whole lot like the country they're working in. It'll take a toll on the people of God. Yeah. Amen. Another illustration. I don't have time to go to Acts 9, verse 26 down through verse number 31. But when Saul was come to Jerusalem, this is after Saul, Damascus wrote experience after he got saved. He essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. Believe not that he was a disciple. They were such terror in their hearts that when the man that had been persecuting them wanted to join the church, they wouldn't let him. Barnabas had to speak for him and had to come in there and help him. And the Bible says once they realized, and I'm paraphrasing, once they realized that God had saved Saul and that God had done a work in his heart, verse 31 of Acts 9 says, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified, that word edified, built up. Same word, same, same truth as that renewing, that rebuilding, that refreshing. The church went through experience of renewal because they had to deal with attacks against their church. He was a man that went in, the Bible says, and wreaked havoc in the church. I don't know about you, but I need renewal. I need renewal from living with the attacks It's one thing to be a member on the pew. It's another thing when you're the pastor. You're trying to lead a church through uncharted waters and you don't know what you're doing because they didn't teach us this in Bible college. They didn't teach us in Bible college how to pastor a church when it's illegal to meet. How to pastor a church when you have to live with the constant dread of some government official walking in with a clipboard and start throwing fines everywhere. It's easy to be a backseat driver, Monday morning quarterback. Say, "Well, if I was a pastor, I'd do this." Well, I tell you what, you can do. You can have it for about a week. You'll run back and give it to me so fast it'll jerk a knot in your neck. It's easier than it. Hey, it's a lot harder than it looks. Amen, I, I sent an email out this week and I commended our church for the unity. I commended the church for you being patient with me and bearing with me in the decisions that I've had to make. And I'm telling you, I'm not saying I'm 100% right all the time, but I can tell you this right now, it's taking a toll on us. Yes, sir. Amen. If I was in a third world country that was run by communist dictators, it'd be one thing, but this is America. This ain't supposed to happen here. Number two, write this down. We're weary and faint and need of renewal because of the apathy of the Christians. Turn over with me to Revelation 3 right quick. I want you to move over to Revelation number. We cut some of the singing out, and I bumped my preaching back a little bit because we got a missionary we want to hear from. But I've been working on this message for a week. Y'all got to give me at least a few minutes to preach it. Revelation chapter number three, verse one, I, and under the church, angel of the church in Sardis, write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. How would you like to have that for your church's motto? That'd look good on the bottom of your stationery, wouldn't it? Huh? Stay with me now. Sardis Baptist Church, we have a name that we are alive, but we're really dead. Come join us and find out for yourself. Verse two, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Here's a church that Jesus said was, I said Jesus said it was dead. This is, this, this is in red in your Bible, Jesus said it was dead. It's one thing when you got some super spiritual diatrophies in the church that says the church is dead, but when Jesus says it's dead, you can mark it down, friend, it's dead. He said, you got a name that you live and you're dead. But according to verse four, there had to have been a few people in the church that were not dead. He said, there has a few names, even the Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white for they're worthy. He said, even in verse number two, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. And this is what God dealt with me about. And God showed me as I was studying this passage of scripture, here's a church that had a name that it was alive, but it was dead. But there was a few people in there that was not dead. Are y'all following me? Imagine the emotional and spiritual distress that they had to contend with just going to church. A church that was dead with a bunch of dead people. What did Jesus say to them? Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. Sounds like a renewal to me. Sounds like he's talking about revival. Sounds to me like he's talking about breathing new life into a church and giving them a second chance. A church that was, that was falling apart. church full of apathy. A church where there was no life. I get emails and letters nearly every day of the week from people that write me. I share some of them with you. I don't share 99% of them with you. It would take too much time. But I got an email yesterday, yesterday. I'm only going to read a few lines of it. Pastor Shiflett. we're so grateful for your spiritual support, courage, and guidance over these past months when we were feeling so dumbfounded in the church that we've been attending these past years. We stopped attending and supporting that church when sermons began addressing, supporting LGBTQ, social justice issues, Black Lives Matter, crazy, wild music. We couldn't believe our ears. We communicated our reaction to the pastors with no support. Then we discovered misuse of church funds supported by the conference for left-wing agendas and the beginnings for current performance of same-sex marriages in the church. We were completely lost for leadership in Christian biblical teachings. We just stopped going to church altogether and worshiped on our own at home, and then my husband found one of your services online by accident. We felt God sent you in our lives via the online services we never miss. Sunday morning services, we listen to Wednesday evening and Sunday evening as well. We're in our 70s, they live 50 miles from here. It's hard for them to get here. They've been a time or two, but I'm telling you right now, this is the kind of weariness and fainting that people are having to contend with when they're going to church and the church is dead and it's full of apathy. It'll wear people out. It'll wear you out. When you get up on Sunday morning and you just want to go to church and hear from God and you go and they're dead. Dead, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. I'd rather stay home and watch the truck rust. I would lay down on a blanket in my backyard in the rain on a blanket and I would watch grass grow before I went to some outfit like that. Apathy, coldness, deadness. What's sad is some people that are just dead as a hammer. They think they're on fire. If I had what they had, I'd trade it for a mule and then shoot the mule. They sit on their pew with their nose up in the air like they're the only one in the church that's right with God. They're so far from God they wouldn't know him if he walked up and slapped them in the face. So cold and dead and indifferent and critical. Judgmental. There was a few people in this church right here. There was a few of them in there that wasn't dead, and you know what Jesus said to them: "Strengthen the things that remain, that are that, that are not dead." Amen. All I'm saying is, you said I don't I don't care I, I don't care how bad the church might get. There ain't no excuse for you to be cold and indifferent. If there were some people in Sardis that were still walking with God that had not defiled their garments, that was worthy, there's no excuse for you and I. Right. We see the apathy of the Christians. Everybody still with me? Yeah. I get emails like that on nearly every day. Nearly every day. What a blessing. Breaks my heart and it's encouraging all at the same time. Number three, write this down. I'm going to run through this one. I'm going to get to my last point. Write this down. Things that make us tired and weary, the aftermath of the conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Fighting, fighting will make you tired. Come on now. You ain't got to turn over there, but in Judges chapter number 15, we find the story of Samson. Where he took a jawbone of an ass in verse 15. Put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men there. We had. What an amazing battle. What an amazing victory. I'd love, I'd love to watch a movie of that passage of scripture right there. Watch a man with a jawbone of an ass kill a thousand men with it. Hollywood can't come they can't come up with nothing that awesome. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking that he cast away the jawbone out of his hand, and he was sore of thirst and called on the Lord. And so thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant and now shall I die for thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised but God clave in hollow place that was in the jaw and there came water there out and when he had drunk his spirit came again and he revived. Yeah. What gets us to the place where we're faint and weary? I tell you what it is. The aftermath of the conflict. Sometimes you've been in a battle for so long you feel like you're about to die. Samson, the strongest man that ever lived, reached a point in his life where the aftermath of the conflict almost killed him. Now get this, the Philistines didn't kill him. They didn't come close to killing him. But the weariness after the conflict likely killed him. He was in desperate need of a supernatural working of God just to survive. And God in his mercy and God in his provision turned that jawbone of an ass into a water fountain. God revived him, refreshed him, and renewed him right there on the battlefield. Surrounded by vanquished and defeated enemies, Samson needed renewal. Sometimes it's hard to enjoy the victory because your tongue's hanging out. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard to enjoy the conquest and the moving of God because you are so exhausted from the fight and the battle and the conflict. All I'm saying is, sometimes when you're in a battle, and I could spend hours detailing the battles, but I'm gonna let the Holy Ghost preach that point. You know what I'm talking about. You're just wore out from the battle. And you need God to renew. Is everybody still with me? Let me give you one more out of Psalm 51. Turn over to Psalm 50, number yeah. chapter 51. We've looked at just a short list. I took several of them off because I didn't have time to preach them all. But in Psalm 51, David needed renewal after the agony of the chastening. He was going through a time in his life, as point number four, when God was chastening him for his sin. By the way, if you're a child of God, he will chasten you. Now, if you can sin and not get a whooping, the Bible says you're bastards and not sons. That's what the Hebrew says. Is anybody with me? I don't spank somebody else's youngins. Bad as I want to sometimes. Psalm 51, verse 7, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore, there it is again, unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. David said, I sinned. And we know the story where he sinned with Bathsheba. He committed adultery and she was with child. And he tried to cover it up and had, had Uriah sent out to the hardest part of the battle and had him pulled back and had him murdered to try and cover up his sin. Uh, but just a A few months later, the man of God, Nathan, showed up, put his long, bony finger in David's face and told him a parable and he said, thou art the man. And God broke David's heart and he broke down in repentance and, and a contrition and a broken heart and a broken spirit. And here's what he said to God, I need you to renew me. He lost the baby. The whole world knew what he had done. Here's a man that it was after God's own heart, the man that had killed uh, uh, thousands, and, and the, the testimony that he had as a, as a man that knew God, and all the songs that he wrote, and all those things. And yet now he's being chastened, and he said it like this to God He said, I need you to heal the bones that thou hast broken. If you've ever had a broke bone, it hurts all over. David's going through it, he brought it on himself. He had brought it on himself. He ought to have been thankful God didn't kill him. God should have. God had been justified to kill him. Instead, God chose to chase him. And he was hurting. Part of his punishment was the sword will never leave your house. There are descendants of King Saul today. Still paying the price. Am I still in the book? Come on now. Does that not know what he's saying? It will never, the sword will never leave your house forever. Well, he's got, he's got descendants today that are still having to reap the punishment of what he did. And the thought of it killed him. He was hurting. You may be sitting here this morning and you messed up royally. Big time. Big time. There ain't no, let's just, let's just put all the pretenses aside. This wasn't just a little trip up. You know, we, we, we have so many words, you know, well preacher pray for me. I've got issues. Now you've got more issues than a magazine collector. It's not issues. Preacher, I've got, I've just got this thing. No, let's just be real honest. Call it what it is confront it head on and let God help you renew and refresh and revive and heal you. I wish I had the time to expound this but I want to close with this thought. Regardless of why this morning you may be faint and weary. Regardless of why you've got no wind in your sails. Regardless. Rest assured God wants to renew you. He's ready to renew you. And he can renew you this morning if you'll let him. Would you let God restore you to a good state to rebuild and repair you? Now, you may be here this morning and you've never been born again. Let me preach to you for about two minutes. The renewal that we're talking about is what God does for his people. But the renewal that God can do for an unbeliever is even more miraculous. In fact, Paul said it like this, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. That sounds like renewal to me. All things are become new. God can take your sin, and God can take your shame and your guilt, and he can put it under the blood of Jesus Christ, and he can make a new creature. It's called being born again. It's called being born again you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he can wash away your past. I'm talking about accept by faith what Jesus did on Calvary. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I clean and let Jesus renew you this morning through the new birth. Putting your faith and trust in the finished work of Calvary. That's where it starts, by the way. That's where it starts. Now, if you haven't done that, Don't worry about none of the other stuff I preach. You just listen to this. Let God save you this morning. There's no reason for you to walk out these doors and get in your vehicle and drive home lost. There's no chance on you. There's no reason for you taking the chance of getting killed in a car wreck between here in the house and opening your eyes in hell when you were here this morning and God could have saved you if you would let him. With heads bowed, eyes closed, our musicians are coming. Our musicians are coming. Do you need renewal? Please don't leave. We've got a missionary that's going to share a report with our church. You're going to want to hear this. You don't want to miss it. But right now, we're doing business with God. You know, you know in your heart that you need to be revived, renewed. You can blame it on anybody and anything you want to. But at the end of the day, it's up to you. Will you let God help you? Be somebody here this morning and say, Pastor Schiff, I'm not sure I'm saved. You was talking about being born again. You was talking about being made a new creature. I don't know that that's ever happened to me, and I want you to pray for me. Would you be honest enough this morning to slip your hand up quietly, right where you're sitting, so I can see it, and say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure if I died right now. I'd go to heaven. Would you please pray for me? Could I see your hand? Anybody anywhere? Anybody anywhere in the building? Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. If you're watching the service on the live stream, there's a phone number on the screen right now for you to watch that, that, you can, that you can call that number, text that number and say, I need to talk to somebody and we'll talk to you and just as soon as the service is over, somebody will pick up the phone and call you back. And We'll do our best to try to help you understand what it means to be saved. It's not, it's not complicated. I accepted Christ in 1976 as a four-year-old boy. It's so simple a child can do it. Let God renew you, make a new creature out of you. If you're here this morning, church, child of God,